this animation celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. When I first arrived, you were all such jerks. But now I've come to love your quirks. And I'm Matsy. And I'm Micah. On Animation Celery, we give each other cartoons to watch. Uh, then Matsy and I, we review them and discuss them on the following week. We're going to revisit a theme. Why does this exist? We're talking cartoons that are strange, ill-conceived, poorly executed maybe, or maybe just have a really questionable audience. And today we're going to be looking at an episode of Laverne and Shirley with the Fawns and an episode of Camp WWE. Will they make us ask why, oh why, does this exist? Uh, first, what is on your mind, Matsy? Over the last few weeks, I feel like I haven't been doing a great job at um, having cool stuff to talk about in this segment. Oh. Either either I'm like desperately like, oh, I, I, I guess I watched The Laughing Salesman, or <laughs> it's been cartoons that I didn't like very much, like Cuphead. So yeah. I, I, said, I said, this week, I am going to find a cartoon that people have told me is good. And I'm going to watch it and hope that it's good. So based on something that I have seen my friend Scotty Arsenal, who is an animator, mm -hmm. tweet, uh, he is quite enthusiastic about a Netflix series called Kid Cosmic. Okay. Have you seen Kid Cosmic, Micah? Uh, I scroll past it, but yes, I've seen it. Okay. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just haven't watched it. Yeah, Kid Cosmic is the latest, I guess, series from Craig McCracken, who is the mm -hmm. creator of the Powerpuff Girls and also Wander Over Yonder. Yeah. And it focuses on this little boy who is just known as the kid, who is an avid comic book reader and has a really overactive imagination. He lives in this like, I hesitate to call it a town. It's like a settlement in the middle of a desert where it's like a diner, a hotel and a gas station. And yeah, like from you know, Tremors. Can, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can count. You can count the people in the town on like your hands. There's yeah. very few characters involved. And one day while he's out exploring, he finds these five weird colored stones, which he decides are power stones that'll give him superpowers. And so he glues them onto some bolts because he lives in a junkyard mm. and decides that they're his power rings and he's going to be a superhero, Kid Cosmic, and save the world from devastation. Mm. Unbeknownst to him, these actually are power stones um, that fell out of a crashed alien spaceship and they do have superpowers. And aliens of all stripes want those stones. So he basically does stumble into rings that give superpowers and having to defend the earth from alien invaders, but he doesn't get all the stones for himself. They fall in various ways in the first couple of episodes into the hands of some of the other characters around town. There's a uh, Joe, the teenage girl waitress at the diner uh, with purple hair. So, Win. Yum. Win. <laughs> yeah. uh, she, oh, um, so Kid, Kid Cosmic, he has the green stone and it gives flight. 
Okay. Which is, when you hear what the rest of the powers are, he actually got short shrift, because flight is nothing. <laughs> okay. Because Joe gets the purple stone, and she can make portals. Like in Portal. Huh. Okay. Uh, there is a little four-year-old girl named Rosa, and she steals the blue stone, which gives uh, super size, like growth. You know, she can be giant. Yeah, okay. Uh, kid's caretaker and an old hippie named Papa G gets the yellow stone, which gives uh, a multiplicity effect. You know, you can make copies of yourself with it. Okay. And for safekeeping, because everybody's stealing all his stones, the kid hides the red stone on the collar of the settlement's uh, big fat cat tuna sandwich. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to him, well, they figure it out eventually, um, the red stone gives the ability to see the future. That's a good one. So, yeah, so you end up with a ragtag superhero team of, which he, you know, he is the comic reader. Everyone else is just like, you know, they understand that they have to defend the the Earth, but he's like, no, we got to be a team, and I'm the leader. Mm. And he's got Portal Girl, and Rosa is his Hispanic. Um, she's bilingual okay. in her young age, and so she is uh, Nina Gigantica. Huh. Um, tuna Sandwich is a precognitive cat, and is it my precognitive per- cat? No. I, <laughs> um, and my favorite, Papa mm. G, is Old Man Many Men. Huh. Now, I don't uh, think flight is that bad amongst those powers. Well, actually, I mean, I... I mean, how... It's, it's how, not, but it's, no. it's better. It's better in the last episode. You find out that it's better than the previous nine episodes. Okay, I should say last episode of the first season, because there's two seasons. Okay. Um, And in the last episode of the first season, you discover that the Green Ring is actually more powerful than the previous nine episodes had led you to believe. Mm -hmm. I've watched the first season. There's a it sets up the second, um, but I haven't started the second yet. And I really like it. Wow. I think it's a really I think it's a good show. I love the art style. It kind of looks drawn. Um, you know, it does the thing where if it's close up, you can see like that it's pencil. That's the lines are like, you know, not perfect lines. They're kind of pencil-y. Right. Um, it has this animation style where it's like the characters, you know, out in a storyboard, you like draw a cool pose or cool facial expression or whatever. Sure. And it kind of, it's animated to sort of, move between cool facial expressions and poses. It's not exactly limited animation. It's not super smooth animation either, but it's like, it's really designed to get you to interesting facial expressions and poses, which I appreciate. Okay. It's got a cool story. Um, it has twists and turns. And the one thing that I will say against it is that the music is pretty obnoxious. <laughs> okay. It has it has this one tune 
which is somebody going ba 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 and they uses it for everything. Oh. It's it's kind of like have you ever have you ever watched Back to the Future and sort of like in the first few minutes of that movie every time anything happens the power of love by Huey Lewis plays. <laughs> okay. And then yeah, yeah. and then and then uh, Marty gets to like the band audition or whatever and then the song that he plays is the power of love again it's like that song just is everywhere in that movie to the point that it's comedic and that's what that's what happens here it's like the music is by a guy named andy bean and Mm. bad job andy oh no but um, it's one of those shows that i've seen the netflix preview for and i thought mm. that that seems okay just haven't gotten around to it yeah, it's it's worth watching. Okay. Um I do quite like it. I Let me see. So so yeah. Uh Kid Cosmic gets my recommendation at least for the first season. I haven't okay. watched this the second one yet, but it's um the the second season is based on the idea that they now have to collect 13 power stones. And I'm 13 interested more to... or 13 in total? Uh I am not, I think it's, I think it's 13 total. Oh, and is everybody else's power stone still attached to his uh, nut and bolt? Well, you're asking me to give away how it ends. Oh, never mind. Okay. I will say for the, for the duration of the series, they are on little bolts and they function as rings. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. Um, then, then the other thing that I noticed, which I'm not as positive on is that I, I stumbled on a YouTube trailer for a show called human resources. All right. This is coming soon. I think it might be next week as a Netflix original. Mm -hmm. It's a spinoff of big mouth. Oh, great. And I'm like, I asked on Twitter, like, how is big mouth popular enough to get a spinoff? And I had somebody, hang on, let me open it up here. I had our friend Adon, Edelon, what was it? Ada, Edion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He says, when I complained about Big Mouth, he says, did you watch it? It hits hard on teenagers as they get valuable relatability on their emotions. Haven't seen it myself, but haven't noted for when my child gets here. Or gets there, gets there, I should say. I think the child has already arrived. Right. Um, I don't know. The clips I've seen involve are really adult yeah really adult and so my thing is i don't know how good or bad the show is but it's ugly as a butt (laughs) yes and not even a not even a good butt like a witch's butt and not even like a cool witch's butt like a like a a gruntilda from banjo kazooie witch's butt I'll, i'll get a little ahead of myself when i say that uh I was thinking about what the Camp WWE kind of looked like, and I was thinking a little bit Big Mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have seen episodes, or I guess, yeah, well, seen is the right word. They've been on while I've been around. (laughs) Okay. And, boy, it's really weird. I don't know. There's, like, a John Mulaney I really like, and then one I don't like. (laughs) Mm. So, like, Mm. I'm pretty sure him as Chip in the Rescue Rangers movie is going to be insufferable. Um, oh, but, 
That, on, that actually, so go ahead, go ahead. But let's yeah, come back to that. On the other hand, I was watching uh, some Saturday Night Live sketches I like, like one uh, uh, where it's a game show called What's That Name? Mm. Or what, and uh, the premise of the show is that they softball questions to them first. Like they show a picture of a celebrity. It's like, what's his name? Right. And they win $5. And then it's like, the next one's for $10,000. And they bring out someone they know, you know, like, uh, it's this is your good friend Todd and his girlfriend of four years. And it's like, uh, hello, uh, you. Yeah. It says like, well, uh, 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 yeah, we, we've been together. We've been to dinner several times. We've sat next to each other at several weddings. What's my name? Right. <laughs> so yeah, the premise yeah. is these people can never remember these names. Right. Um, yeah. And he's, he's so good in that, John Mulaney. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So uh, I like him yeah. a lot of the time. Nick, Nick Kroll's the, his partner, right, who is the producer of Big Mouth. Oh, I don't know enough about it to say. Yeah. But sure, I'll go with that. Yeah, sorry if, I, if it's another Kroll. Something Kroll. I think it's Nick. Um, yeah, I basically never like him. <laughs> he's one of those mm. guys. I just don't think he's got the... But he, he, he's he got the chutzpah to like, produce stuff like Big Mouth. So what do I know? Yeah. Um, Big Mouth has another thing. It's I have mentioned a few of my cartoon pet peeves on this show. Okay. Um, one that I don't think I've ever mentioned that kind of repulses me. <laughs> is when characters quote unquote kiss by having their mouths open and their tongues just wriggling against each other. Oh, uh, clone high is a pretty bad offender of that. Although there are other things about clone high that I do like. And every time I see anybody kiss in big mouth, they're doing that. And it's just, it looks ugly and they're doing an ugly thing that I don't like. <laughs> and <laughs> they, I, I don't, I don't know that they've got any, I don't know that they, they can do anything, basically, that's not going to be a little ugly. Yeah. Yeah, and the yeah. one there's like a character that's one person, um, a little demon that's the embodiment of lust, right? Yeah, Are that's I actually, um, Human Resources actually focuses on them. It's, it's a spinoff, uh, not about the teenagers, it's about all these little critters that represent human emotions. Like, I think the, I think the concept is that it's about uh, a love bug whose job is to, like, she represents the love that an expectant mother is supposed to feel for her child, but doesn't. Oh, uh, okay. So it's it's all, and those lust demons are are in this as well. That's how I, I like, I, I could see that it looked like Big Mouth. And then as soon as I saw those demons, I was like, wait a minute, is this actually in the same universe? And yeah, it is. Hmm. So, I don't know. Um, one last, one last thing that you reminded me of, Mm -hmm. uh, after you brought it up and I just forgot to mention it, I went and watched that rescue Rangers trailer. Oh yeah. And I was not prepared for how bad that looks. Even after having you tell me about it, seeing it for myself was like, oh my gosh. Like, Like there was a shot of where they were running through a store and like trying to get clothes or something. And chip runs through this section and they look at him like something drastically different has happened. And they look up and it's like, they've gone through like the Indiana Jones collection of clothing. And I'm looking at this, like it's a leather jacket and a hat. Chip always wears that. Yeah. It's what he wore 30 years ago. Yeah. It turns out that he put on a shirt underneath. 
Oh, right. Um, I was also shocked to see My Little Ponies in the end of that trailer, Mm. which made me wonder, has Disney purchased Hasbro? Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I just thought I would have heard about it. And uh, I guess we'll look forward to the uh, Magic the Gathering movie. Um, anyway, yeah, I think I've said enough. <laughs> your, your thrust was just <laughs> to go positive. And, uh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Uh, Kid Cosmic is real good. You should watch it. I'm going to watch the, I'm going to watch the second season um, okay. as soon as I can. Now, how about you? Well, I was thinking it's Woman's Day or was. And yesterday as we were recording. Yeah, and it's kind of like Woman's Month. Um. And I was thinking mm. how prescient I was to go on the streak of Betty Boop, Little Audrey, and today Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm the best feminist ever. Sure. Yeah. And even if I didn't plan it, that's somehow also the best, right? Because it's just normal that I would pick all yeah. female focused things. Um, so I was thinking of picking a female character to focus on. And yeah. part of this is that I saw a list. Uh, like a, a, a fluff list of, of uh, top women in anime. Terrible list, oh, right? Okay. They're all like... <laughs> the oldest one is from Naruto, right? Which has never really disappeared. And uh, Anime doesn't... The anime that I've seen doesn't really have a great track record with female protagonists. Well, they're just kind of... Uh, that list was just kind of like whatever has been on, yeah. right? So they had like... Number three was Asuna from Sword Art Online. I wouldn't even mm. put her in the top thousand. But anyway, <laughs> um, the, the first one was Mikasa Ackerman from Attack on Titan. I was going to go Hanji Zoe. So Hanji, okay. she's uh, one of the uh, high ranking members of the Scout Corps. So their mission is to explore outside the walls, uh, gather information and try to reclaim territory from the Titans. Mm. And um, accordingly, Hanji is like a researcher. So is early on, it, like a lot of characters in Attack on Titan, is just loudly built out of quirks. Like Hanji is um, overly excited about Titans and likes to nickname the ones she's researching. Um, hmm. But Hanji really grows over the course of the series. Now, the the series, I don't know. I don't know if this is a, eh, something less than a pet peeve for me, is okay. where um, early on, you meet basically everyone, you know, mm. like the first episode, I meet this guy who travels with me and then this one and so on. So uh, there's some like plot armor on the initial group of cadets that train with Eren. Right. And mm-hmm. it can get to the point where they introduce new guys and you can get cynical like, oh, there's a dead man. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but Hanji is not one of those initial ones. Hanji's a little older. Um, and grows into a leadership role and just becomes a really great character. Um, uh, great leader, great, uh, really clutch. Um, so, you know, I think best character in Attack on Titan, but maybe not a woman per se, because I was looking this up that the creator uh, has said that they wanted Hanji to be ambiguous. And okay. Has instructed like the, uh, the 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 uh, his editor and people that work in promoting and like to 
uh, not refer to Hanji's gender, or mm. at at worst, just equally refer to Hanji as he or she. Hmm. Which in Japanese, there's not like um, pronouns like that are not as common anyway, right? So mm-hmm. um, now to actually put Hanji into a cartoon, Hanji's got like, you know, a female voice actor. That's not a proof of anything really, but hmm. you can see at least uh, Hanji is female. But I thought that was interesting anyway. Um, but great character overall. And I guess if not great woman character, great female character. And so I was kind of thinking further about what, what the good female characters are from cartoons. Um, okay. And so I'm going to defer to Buzzfeed and just get your thoughts on them. <laughs> okay, sure. I can so think th- of some that I really like, but go ahead. Okay. So they have one Kim possible. I think that's okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Katara. I mean, from there's Avatar. been enough there. I'm just thinking that there's been enough, you know, teenage or child boys who are secretly heroes that the idea that there's a girl, it's like, sure. Yeah, that's overdue. Yeah. I will accept Kim Possible. You said Katara. Yeah. Uh, Katara would be the water tribe girl who's following Aang around. Kind of a deuter antagonist. Or deuter protagonist, rather. (laughs) I was thinking for a second it was the second Avatar, oh. and I was like, you know, in that second show, what's it called? Legend of Korra? Oh, I guess it's not Katara then. <laughs> yeah, Katara's, Katara's pretty neat. I liked, I I mean, Avatar, The Last Airbender, is one of my favorite cartoon series ever. And I liked Katara, like, I, as soon as I think about her, I think of this scene where she's, like, confronted one of the fire tribe guys who killed her family and she's like in her anger she stops the rain from falling and she's <laughs> using her yeah. blood bending to freeze the guy in place and like oh ah oh, she's so cool yeah yeah i'll go with katara improvising a way to break out of her uh jail yeah lots of cool stuff <laughs> although yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what Cora's not on this list Cora should be on this list oh well hmm. um then they got shigo from kim possible again I guess big fans. <laughs> All right. Daria. I don't really like Daria in Daria that much. I don't like Daria, the character or the show. I don't like that. Every clip that I have seen of that show is just these bored girls saying witty one liners. Yep. Yeah. You sure are saying a witty one liner. She's better playing off Beavis and Butthead, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, have, I'll, I'll admit, I haven't seen enough of Daria to draw a conclusion. It's just that what I have seen has led me to draw a conclusion that I don't want to watch it. Hey, well, speaking of which, we got number five from Codename Kids Next Door. Eh, I never much liked oh, the show. I've, I am not proficient enough in that show that I was like... I was waiting for you to give the name. It's like, okay, this is number five on the list, and it is. Oh, uh, but I've I've barely seen any of that show. Now, it is she is voiced by Cree Summer, so. Okay, uh, I was going to ask that because I do know, now that you've mentioned that, I actually have recently seen a clip featuring that character. So now I have a face to the name. I just can't say anything. Her yeah. pants, like, the clothes on all the characters in that show, like, sheesh. <laughs> so, yeah. 
sloppy. Like, um, like her waist is like the size of a human wrist and then her pants are the size of human pants. And yet somehow they defy gravity and stay in place. Well, her wrist is the size of a human pencil. So yeah, human yeah. pencil. Um, uh, Libby full facts from Jimmy Neutron. Don't know. I um, don't like Jimmy Neutron. But then you get Jenny Wakeman from My Life as a Teenage Robot. Not necessarily female, but female identifying. Sure. Well, these are... Is this female? Was it? Yeah, this is female. Anyway. Um, it's, it's fine. Yeah. You know, uh, I, love, I love that show. I love Jenny. She's cool. Eight Sandy Cheeks. SpongeBob SquarePants. <sighs> I've never really liked Sandy that much. Me neither. But I feel I feel like they shoehorned in like her two main aspects are she has a Texas accent and she's a scientist. And it feels like they kind of shoehorned both of those in. I don't know. Maybe that said, maybe. she's in some really funny stuff. So but I think mm. that when she's not funny, I'm kind of like, Ugh, yeah, mm. I'd rather see somebody else from that show. Yeah. Then we have the three Powerpuff Girls. That's eh, OK. I've. I have cooled on the Powerpuff Girls over time. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then uh, Suki from Last Airbender. That's an okay uh, pick. Suki. Which one is Suki? Uh, I can't remember their name. Uh, the elite warriors of the Earthbenders. Oh, okay. I would have rather seen Azula, but yeah. Azula is an awesome character. She's not a hero, but she's an awesome oh, character. Doesn't have to be, but yeah, I don't like her, her fate, but. Um, well, no, but I mean, that's kind of what, like, I think my sister said, like, she's like the best, one of the best examples of mental illness you'll ever see in a TV series. Hmm. Um, where's Toph? Well, I guess you're not finished this list. Go ahead. Oh, she's not on here. Oh, boo. <laughs> well, Toph is great. Uh, Mandy from Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Um, I haven't really watched that show. Similar to Daria, but she's doing more interesting things. Okay. Um, Kida from Atlantis. Actually, I actually hadn't seen Atlantis. That's one Disney movie I haven't seen. Yeah, me neither. Here's a good pick, though. Eris from Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas. Ha- haven't seen that. DreamWorks movie. It's really cool, actually. I mean, nobody mm. saw it, I think, but... Uh, <laughs> um. It's kind of, I mean, in some ways it's an animated movie of that era, but it's not a musical and it's kind of like those old Sinbad things. And that it's just like an adventure, you know, mm-hmm. and, and she's like a, I don't know if she's a mischief God exactly, but, uh, she's cool. Mm. Uh, so it's a very good pick there. And also kind of the same era. They got Captain Amelia from Treasure Planet, which I know you yeah. haven't watched. A lot of people crush on her hard. You talked about it in a an episode once, so yeah. Yeah. We have some background on that. Oh, a good pick here. Nani from Lilo and Stitch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good pick. Sure. Yeah. She's, uh, she's uh, hard to put upon. Yeah. Uh, Velma Dinkley. Uh, <laughs> overrated, I think, but. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mulan. That's yeah, okay. All right. Chicha from Emperor's New Groove. That's the wife, I think. Jeez, that's obscure. Yeah, that's that's too small a character. Yeah. Um, 
They have Audrey Ramirez from Atlantis. Again, don't know. Tiana mm-hmm. from Princess and the Frog. It's okay. You know, I haven't seen that. Everybody says that I should, and I just haven't gotten around to it. I think it's just okay. Like, a lot of people like the music number about having friends on the other side. I didn't. I, I hated that music number. That's why it took mm. so long to watch it. And my end mm. result of watching it is, like, it felt small, you know, mm. for, like, like self-sabotaging kind of small. Anyway. Yeah. You know what movie I have never seen? What's that? Frozen. I like Frozen. Everybody does. I just yeah. have not seen it. And I you should know, do that someday. I was disappointed when I watched Frozen 2, but I don't think it's like a franchise ruiner. Mm. Like, there's stuff about it that's not good, but I don't think it's like one of those where you have to pretend it doesn't exist in order to enjoy the first one. Hmm. Um, and they got Megara from Hercules. It's okay. Um, Anastasia. I almost feel like at this point in the list, they're just list- <laughs> they're just going through movies and picking the woman from them. Yeah, really? Yeah, not a lot of TV series. Nala yeah, from like, Lion King. You know, you, no. I was going to jokingly suggest her. She's, she does nothing. Yeah, she's I mean, not she convinced She convinces Simba to come back home, but like... Hey, this is Matsy Later editing the podcast, and I just realized Nala doesn't even do that. It was Mufasa that convinced him to go home. She was just along for the ride, so to speak. Anyway, I'll shut up now. She, assuming this is like in order of of quality, mm. comes in just ahead of Elastigirl from The Incredibles. Mm. Elastigirl rules. Yeah, yeah. Well, have you seen The Incredibles too? I have. Yes. Yeah. Um, both Incredibles movies are pretty cool. They're not yeah. my favorite Pixar movies, but they are good. Like, I don't know that there's any bad Pixar movies, really. I mean, I guess I haven't seen any of the Cars. Oh, I bet they're bad. Um, so, I guess go for some modern ones. Like, my picks, I would go for Edda from The Owl House. I mean, I haven't watched that much of it, but I mm. like her. Um, or Lose, for that matter. Yeah. Um, now, try not to like list too many anime, but I think this is, like, in the... Um, uh, in the consciousness of Westerners, I go Susie from uh, Little Witch Academia. Okay. Um, not a deep character, but a funny character. Um, hmm. Let's see. Uh, ironically, Lola Bunny from the Looney Tunes show. <laughs> okay, from the Looney Tunes show. Yeah, yeah. nowhere else. <laughs> Lola in that show is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I She's think the show. kind of... She's the kind of insane that, like, Daffy Duck is. That's the criteria, I think, is, like, not just where they picked some person off a, you know, they just ran through some movies. It's like, that's a woman, that's a woman. But, like, the ones that you want to see, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that you, if you watched the Looney Tunes show and the segment didn't have her in it, you would be disappointed. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm just thinking about some of mine. Um, yeah. What about Webby from the new DuckTales? Uh, I think She's, I like her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not my favorite character, not even my favorite female character in the show, but one of the best. I, I, you know what? I'm going to go with a tie. They're both awesome characters. Catra 
and Scorpia from She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Hmm. Tremendous characters. Oh, Scorpia breaks my heart. And Catra, <laughs> Catra is like, you know, I said that my sister, my sister has not watched She-Ra as far as I know. But, mm-hmm. you know, she said that Azula was like the, the picture perfect depiction of mental illness. Catra, Catra is, she, she is the product of a life of abuse in a way that is just like devastating and fascinating. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, for International Women's Day or month or whatever you want to call it, I recommend everybody watch uh, She-Ra and the Princess of Power. That is a it is a little flawed, but it's a tremendously good show. I love that show. Oh, Star. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, shoot. I written down here. What's her name? The, the Their Filipino friend. Jana. Jana. Oh, oh, Jana. Yeah. Jan, Jana is the one that you Filipina, I guess. But uh, you, you, you want to see, you know. Yeah, she's great. I didn't I don't know that I realized she was Filipina, but um, but yeah, she's great. She's she's an awesome character. Uh, yeah. what about Princess Bubblegum and or Marceline from Adventure Time? Yeah, good picks. Good picks. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, we could just keep going, but sure. Marge Simpson. Point. Marge Simpson grew into a good. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. I got I got one other thing, I guess. <laughs> OK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just like I've seen uh, Kid Cosmic. Uh, in terms of, of, of having its preview shown to me a lot, right? Right. Um, there's a movie called Green Snake. It's a Chinese animated movie. Hmm. And it comes up from time to time, and I see the preview and think, this is cool. All and right. I finally got around to watch... No, sorry. I'll amend that. I have not gotten around to watching it. I started it. And so uh, it, it's a like a wuxia contemporary, not contemporary, uh, uh, period thing, right? So, you know, a lot of flying around and mm. super martial arts and stuff, I guess, right. kind of, right? Yeah. So Green Snake starts off with two women, sisters, seemingly, or twins maybe even, flying over the sea and uh, projecting from their weapons to create a tidal wave to try to wipe out a temple, it's like, wow, this this came in hot, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and and the Buddhist monks there, there's like a super powerful one who makes a big shield with his power of stillness and all that, right? It's like, wow, okay, okay. So I'm just rolling with it, right? It's like, this is just how this starts. Okay, they've yeah. gotten me into what kind of this thing this is. And then there's plot points and stuff. And I have to pause and think like, well, I don't know if I can... For, for reasons that I don't, if this is the, the speed it goes, I don't know if I can watch this, right? Hmm. Um, so I I Google it, and the thing that comes up is, this is a sequel. Huh. It's, the, it's the only one that's on Netflix. They don't have the original movie, White Snake. <laughs> uh. Which is super funny to me, the title, because the sequel yeah. is not just Green Snake. It's White Snake 2 Green Snake. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> yes. So I backed up. I, I found White Snake and watched it. Um, uh-huh. 
it's pretty cool. I mean, it's still... I kind of wish it was a little more grounded because they're doing very superhero-y kind of stuff, right? Stuff mm-hmm. that ends up being a little Dragon Ball-y. Um, yeah. But it's pretty neat. It's based on, like, a fairy tale about, like, a uh, uh, a a white spirit snake who, in human form, falls in love with a, with a human man. Okay. Um, now... Uh, it's got a lot of over-the-top action. You know, sometimes where it's... You, you you don't... You can't, like, buy the stakes. It's like watching Superman fight, right? Mm. Um, but it's cool. And action or, 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 you know, travel and meeting characters is just full of coolness. Like, some of my complaints about some movies is that they're kind of um, thin... I don't mean yeah. like plot necessarily. I just mean stuff like Star Wars movies give you a lot of stuff. But then when you're watching a cheaper movie, it's like I've seen that zombie before, you know? Right. Or yeah. like, yeah. Whereas this just has all kinds of things to look at, um, you know, like cool monsters. Um, one of the uh, antagonistic forces in this are the Taoists. It's one of these things where I guess, you know, like religions have superpowers, right? Um hmm. So the Taoists are so cool. They're magic and uh, they're like apparatus and stuff and they're beasts and all that. And then, then the snake, look, the snake people are pretty cool too. Um, there's a little disparity. Like the the two principal female leads are way cooler. But hmm. um, uh, uh, Xiao Bei and Xiao Qing. Um, and I guess the second one features more around the, well, of course, around, around the green snake. Um uh, I kind of just wanted to look at it because uh, there's a different like sensibility uh, for Chinese cartoon designs. Um, oh, and of course you, you see a lot of Chinese movies, just the color is really saturated, right? Mm-hmm. In a way you don't tend to see in uh, movies from other countries. Yeah. Um, um, the characters are kind of gorgeous. Oh, there's one, uh, oh, never mind that, uh, uh, Xiao Qing, the uh, green snake, is sexy as heck. They, they kind of look <laughs> the same. The white snake and the green snake, mm-hmm. they're just, they, they could be twins. And they refer to each other as sisters, but I don't know if they're sister sisters because mm-hmm. she sort of alludes to that they have sex. So, oh. or, or maybe it's just what you read in because she's so sexy when she, when <laughs> she does anything, right? Um, right? But there's also, there's a fox spirit in this too that's a great character. Um, she's like a, uh, uh, who, a, a manufacturer of, of weaponry. Okay. And she's like this slinky spunky little thing, but it looks like she's got a bow or like a headdress on, but actually it's a fox head poking out the back of her head and her <laughs> neck twists around whenever she needs to talk as an old woman, you know, so <laughs> she's got her fox face. Um, <laughs> It's 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 long. Um, I think maybe some people might have find it hard to fathom, but it's cool. I I would say check at least check out White Snake to watch a cool movie. Okay, cool. So you your your homework, everybody, is to watch Kid Cosmic, uh, Shira and the Princesses of Power, and White Snake. White Snake. Yeah. All right. Well. 
speaking of homework, maybe we should uh, turn in ours, huh? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll go first. This is Laverne and... Sh- okay, I'm not exactly sure what the official title of this thing is. The title screen says that it's Laverne and Shirley with special guest star The Fawns. <laughs> yeah, the, this, the, the first the first one was Laverne and Shirley in the army. And then this well, is like another segment in a bigger cartoon. Well, it's not even like it's it, the naming is so weird because like the the title screen of the first season is just Laverne and Shirley. And then, OK, let me back up. This is a twisted, twisted backstory here in the 70s. They made a sitcom <laughs> called Happy Days, which was set in the 50s, centering around teenagers being teenagers, mostly Ron Howard. Um, this show was super popular enough that it started to introduce other characters who then got spinoffs, such as Laverne and Shirley. Their show was also very popular. And another spinoff of Happy Days was a Robin Williams vehicle, Mork and Mindy, about an alien on Earth. So, as was the style at the time, they made animated series out of all of them. There was, I think it's called Fonzie and, or Fonz and the Happy Days Gang is a cartoon. There's the Mm -hmm. Laverne and Shirley cartoon. And then when it came to the second season of Laverne and Shirley, they put the Fawns from the Happy Days cartoon into Laverne and Shirley and bundled the thing with the Mork and Mindy cartoon into the Mork and Mindy, Shirley and Laverne and the Fawns (laughs) hour. (laughs) Yeah. And the Pac-Man and Little Rascals. And yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Everybody is here. It's like Smash Brothers 1982. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So this is anyway... Long story short, Laverne and Shirley are two women who, depending on which part of the show you look at, either live in Milwaukee or California, or in this case, are in the army. And after the first season, they added Fonzie, Arthur Fonzarelli, who is basically (laughs) the world's coolest man from Happy Days. So cool that he is able to effortlessly, effortlessly bend girls to his will and control machinery just with a well-placed bang or even stern look. Hmm. So he's in the army as the mechanic in the motor pool. Uh, He also brought with him his dog, Mr. Cool. You'll never guess who does Mr. Cool's voice. Who is it? It's Frank Welker. Yeah, pre-Slimer. But he's not the only (laughs) animal character in this because... Mm -hmm. Boy, these women have it rough. Their commanding officer in the army is a pig named Sergeant Squealy. (laughs) Micah, how does this pig rate? It's okay. All right. I mean, yeah, still, he's no heartthrob, but he's he's funny enough. Yeah, he's just he just revels in, um, as his name suggests, telling uh, the uh, commanding officer. I forget his rank, but his name is Turnbuckle. Yeah. And they just revel or he just revels in uh, giving demerits and just reporting all the ways that the two ladies screw up. Hmm. So (laughs) this episode is called One Million Laughs B.C., which is like could almost be the name of a Hanna-Barbera series, really. Right. From 1982. Okay, And here it goes. Laverne and Shirley are demanding the weekend passes that Squealy promised them because they made a deal. 
they had to paint all the garbage cans on the base, which they did. They painted them pink. And Squealy doesn't appreciate that. It's not an army-approved color. Laverne, <laughs> Laverne contends that the paint sprayer only sprayed pink paint and then sprays Squealy with various other colors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with Squealy blasted into a water barrel, the girls pack up and head out. They plan to grab a jeep from the motor pool and sneak out, but Squealy overhears them and follows them. And meanwhile, the Fawns has just completed a tune-up on a jeep, which he's very proud of. He leaves Mr. Cool to clean up, and while he's gone, Laverne and Shirley jump into the jeep. Fawns comes back and protests that the jeep hasn't been tested, but the girls say that they'll test it, as Squealy hops in with them. <laughs> and in a ridiculous scene, they <laughs> step on the gas, and the jeep flies into the sky and disappears. Fonzie then decides he better give the same tune-up to a motorcycle so he can follow the gals. The jeep reappears in a tropical tree, which leaves Cheryl to think they're in Florida. They get the jeep out of the tree, with Squealy listing off all the various demerits they're going to get. One that I liked was AWOL without permission. Oh, heh, funny. Anyway, yeah, they, cra they crash the jeep into another tree, which turns out to be a dinosaur's leg. And after consulting the military manual, the trio decides to run for it, lest they be eaten by the notoriously herbivorous Apatosaurus. It's not often you see a sauropod as the prime dinosaur antagonist. Yeah, really. I think there's a reason for this, though. Well, I think there's a couple of reasons, um, which I'm going to get to right about now. Uh, Squealy mm. decides that they should split up, and he <laughs> stupidly runs back to the dinosaur, which gets it to tangle its neck in its own legs. They escape, and Squealy theorizes that the Jeep has sent them back in time. And I have to tell you, this is my favorite part of this whole cartoon for a really <laughs> dumb reason. Okay. Somebody, whoever wrote this, I didn't, I didn't get their name. It's probably not important. But whoever wrote this is a Monty Python fan. And I can tell because there's a really obscure Monty Python reference here. Okay. Because Squealy, he says he has a theory and he says like this theory, which is mine, is because Squealy has a tendency to like overstate things like that. Like the like he says the U.S. of Army at some point. But but so he's so at the first glance, it's like, oh, this theory, which is mine. But that's a Monty Python sketch huh. with John Cleese playing a lady named Anne Elk, who has a theory about the Brontosaurus. And she takes forever to state this theory because she's hung up on the fact that the theory is hers. And she's like, this theory, which is mine, is this fault. And it's as soon as I heard him say that this theory, which is mine, and realizing that he's talking about a Brontosaurus, it's like, mm. wow, somebody recognizes this at this point, over 10 year old Monty Python sketch. Ha, huh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that tickled me. Uh, John Cleese looks ridiculous as Anne Elk, by the way. It's pretty awesome. Monty Python's mm. on Netflix. You should try to find that one. Anyway, um, back in the present, which I think in the current Laverne and Shirley timeline might be 1964. Uh, Fonzie mm. and Mr. Cool are still working on the motorcycle, but it backfires because Mr. Cool put the accelerator coil in backwards which makes the motorcycle go backwards, although I think it should have taken them to the future. Yeah. 
<laughs> he was trying to replicate it. So why would an error like uh, anyway? Yeah. Um, back in the past, the gang are looking for the Jeep, but they find some huts and people instead. Laverne, by the way, Laverne is really the star of this because the actress who played Shirley in the live action series left the show at this point because she was pregnant and mm. she it, it didn't. So they have somebody else as Shirley. And as a result, Laverne gets kind of top billing here. Yeah. But do you know who they replaced Shirley with or uh, uh, Cindy Williams, I guess? Uh, I caught the name, but it didn't uh, immediately register. It's Lynn Marie Stewart, a.k.a. Miss Yvonne, the most beautiful girl in cartoons. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Pee Wee's Playhouse. Wow. Anyway. Neat. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. So Laverne falls from the cliff that they're looking down from and lands in a Neanderthal wedding. See, Luana, the cave woman, is marrying Tor, but Laverne knocks Luana out of the way, and Tor instantly falls for Laverne instead. Luana is heartbroken, but her brothers plan to fix things. Snap. The chief agrees to a new wedding in one hour, even though Laverne protests. Squealy and Shirley, disguised as bushes, walk past the dumb caveman guard and into Laverne's prison hut, where... The Laverne jokes that Shirley looks good in green, I guess, because they're bushes. Yeah. But I'm immediately thinking you're in army fatigues. You're wearing yes. green all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tor shows up long enough for comedic hiding from Shirley and Squealy. I did think that was funny that she's a lampshade. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Squealy now has a plan, which is to tunnel out of the hut but they tunnel right to where Luana and her brothers are plotting Laverne's downfall. The cave friends put the army broads and the pig on a hmm. tiny island, which turns out to be maybe the same Brontosaurus from before. Hmm. Anyway, Squealy loses his army manual in the dinosaur's mouth, and all the gang can do now is scream for Fonzie's help. <laughs> and speaking of which... Fonzie and Mr. Cool have finished with the motorbike and they ride into the past. There, they hear the cries for help, and Fonzie rides his bike onto the dinosaur's back. The dinosaur then eats the time-traveling motorbike with some pretty mm. underwhelming, like, chomp sound effects here. <laughs> yeah. And Fonzie is amazed that his usual cool tricks don't work on the... the, the animal. <laughs> and so, Fonzie... Because he's the brains of the outfit, I get. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Comes up with the brilliant plan to jump off the dinosaur and onto a log, and they all make their escape. Uh, back at the village, Tor discovers that Laverne is gone, and his caveman friends and he set out to find their hesitant bride. Which turns out to be really easy because the heroes just run into them. But the girls are more confident now that they have the fawns protecting them. But then a pterodactyl swoops down and catches Fonzie and Mr. Cool. Wouldn't you know? <laughs> so the girls are kidnapped again. Kidnapped again? What? Kidnapped again. Mm. And Laverne has to get ready for her wedding. The cavemen toss wedding gifts into the hut. And among the primitive gifts are the ladies' luggage, which leads them to surmise that the cave people have their jeep, or at least it's nearby. So Shirley gets an idea and they team up with Luana. 
because they have a common goal. They all want Luana to marry Tor. As for Fonzie and Mr. Cool, they get taken to the pterodactyl's nest, and from the high vantage point, Fonz is able to spot the jeep. But just then, the egg in the nest hatches, attracting the attention of the mother, which allows another comedic moment of Mr. Cool pretending to be a pterodactyl chick while Fonzie hides in the egg until Mama is gone. Back <laughs> That's not cool. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Back <laughs> Mr. Cool isn't very cool. No, I mean Fonzie hiding in the egg. Oh, yeah, well, you know, it's it's practical. Yeah. I mean, he has already demonstrated that these animals don't know who the Fonz is. Uh, so back at the village, Shirley gets Tor's attention, and they show off the new and improved, freshly made-over Luana. Made over with the, I guess, uh, you know, I guess they had their uh, beauty equipment in their bags now that I think about it. Yeah. So, yeah. So the wedding between Luana and Tor seems to be back on, but now there's a new problem. Because the only other place for Laverne is as a sacrifice to the volcano, just to make sure that no primitive culture trope is un visited in this <laughs> weird thing. Shirley tries to save Laverne by using one of the most backfiring threats in cartoons, which is the old, if you're going to throw her in, then you'll have to throw me in too deal. So the result is predictable. And just as they're all thrown in, Fonzie drives up in the Jeep. He jumps the volcano like a massive fiery <laughs> shark. And Laverne yes. and Shirley... <laughs> we'll come back to that. Yeah. Uh, Laverne and Shirley and Squealy all land in the back seat, and then the Jeep flies back to the present day instead of back another million years. Hmm. Uh, back at the base, Fonzie starts undoing the scientific breakthrough he stumbled upon, while Squealy <laughs> runs and gets a new demerit book to start writing Laverne and Shirley up. You know, wow. we've looked at four of these cartoons in the why does this exist series? I mean, we haven't gotten to one of them yet. Okay, sure. I'm pretty confident. I was confident in the one that I gave you, but I think this might be the most baffling of the four. <laughs> I I just had the vague memory because 1982, mm -hmm. I'd been like preschool, right? Like and five, maybe. Yeah, I just remembered there's this cartoon, cartoon in Laverne and Shirley are in the army. And then the Fonz, just dressed like he always dressed, shows up on a motorcycle to save them. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Um, I never watched any of these shows, by the way. I mean, I mean in terms of uh, the live action Happy Days or Laverne and Shirley. I've never seen Laverne and Shirley, but Happy Days is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, it I've has seen one of those, actually. It has like an it has like a sound effect or a soundtrack that's going on the whole time. Like this. Yeah, like it's 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 really cool. I, I like happy the, days. The one I saw uh, like a divorcee moved next to whatever Ron Howard's characters is. And, and so they they thought that because she was a divorcee, she was hot to trot huh. and he could score with her. That was the plot of the episode. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Man. Yeah, so just to jump back real quick, uh, I mentioned jumping the volcano like a shark. Mm. We've all heard the term jump the shark, yeah. which is uh, the point where something is no longer good. And for those who don't know where that comes from, it's actually Happy Days. And it's actually the Fonz, 
Because there's an episode where Fonzie has to jump over a shark on... I can't remember if it's a jet ski or water skis. But, oh, it wouldn't be a jet ski. It was water skis. Yeah. And that is generally considered to be the point where Happy Days wasn't good anymore. It only ran for six more years. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where the phrase jump the shark comes from. It's from Happy Days and from uh, the Fonz. So, yeah, let me see. What do we want to talk about? Well, this cartoon is like a tenu- continual jumping of the shark. Yeah, kind of. I um, actually like Fonzie in this. He's He's got a constant smile on his face where he seems kind of aloof in the live action show. Like he's constantly like too good for everyone. But in this, he's me, like... Hmm? Is it me or does his design look like Lupin the Third? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will buy that. He kept reminding me of Adam Sandler's character in Eight Crazy Nights. Oh, okay. But yeah, Lupin the Third, that's a good one. Yeah, I you know the reason I, I kinda like the banter in it and, and it's by and large, like it's Henry Winkler playing Fawns and it's mm-hmm. it's Penny Marshall playing Laverne, so no wonder they're good at it. Although, you know what's weird? What? Despite being like the star, Penny Marshall is not credited in the voice cast. Weird. It is weird. I but she but it's her. Penny Marshall, yeah. the famous director and comedian. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is, I mean, it's a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, kind of limited animation. Characters sort of default to a stock pose when they're not doing anything. Um, right. It has the voices from the show. It's got Frank Welker um, hey. trying to refine how to do an animal's voice. Um, what was the guy's, the name of the guy who does Squealy? It's like, he's he's um oh, he's, one of the he's characters from, from, yeah, from Welcome Back, Cotter. It's like Ron uh, Palillo or yeah. Rob Palillo, something, something like that. He's yeah. I actually thought it was um, the guy that we listened to previously as the mouse who wanted to be a cat in that Garfield. Oh, you know, yeah. the one who was also the Honey Nut Cheerios B. Right. But it turns out that's a different no. guy. Yeah, I kind of feel like I feel like. Animation celery has reached saturation points on some things like <laughs> that. We did too much Disney for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like this might be our jump the shark moment for reviewing Hanna-Barbera Hanna Ruby Spears things. Okay. Like we've done a lot of that lately. <laughs> yeah. And, and as a result, I don't have a lot to say. It's just kind of baffling. Like it's so weird that this, yes. I mean, it was the trend at the time to take a live action thing that was popular and make it into an animated series. You had the Harlem Globetrotters, the Partridge Family, the Beatles. Um, but this is like late. Like 1982 is late for that trend. Right. Um, I guess they hadn't quite gotten into merchandising toys yet, which was what was going to dominate the rest of the 80s. But, yeah, it's kind of behind the times and a weird concept, and I just don't understand it at all. Like, it, why does this exist? I don't know. All right. Mission accomplished, then. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I, I have an easier time explaining the other three cartoons in this series. You know, Alf Tales. Alf was popular. They wanted to keep it going. Rude right. Dog and the Dweebs. Well, you know, why not just throw something at the wall and see if it sticks as a cool character? <laughs> But yeah. this is like existing characters that are like nearing the end of the run of the show. And because in 1982, I think um, Laverne and Shirley at this point was almost done. I think it lasted one more season and mm. Happy Days 
lasted, I think, two more at this point. So, like, what? Why? I don't get it. But, hey, you know, that's the point of this. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, Laverne and Shirley with special guest star The Fawns. Or Laverne and Shirley in the Army and the Fawns, or whatever you want to call it. It's a weirdo thing. And uh, it's weird. And it has Frank okay. Welker as a dog. Okay. Now... Let's let, see. Yeah, let's yeah, see if, if can I'm... Exp- mm-hmm. Can you explain... Can you explain any better? Uh, well, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Camp WWE. So this is from 2016, created by Seth Green of Robot Chicken fame. <laughs> and I guess um, Austin Powers. Yeah. So... You take the over-the-top personalities of world wrestling entertainment, but make the contemporary performers kids and put them in a hacky cartoon setting of a summer camp. And then you make the legends of yesteryear into camp counselors. Of the kids, we have The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena, Big Show, The Undertaker, The Bella Sisters, R-Truth, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> the counselors include Ric Flair and Sergeant Slaughter. The owner of the camp is Vince McMahon, the head of the WWE in real life, and his assistant is the mute, fully made up Gold Dust. Yeah, and can I just note, I don't remember a period in WWE history where the character Gold Dust was mute. I think it's just. Just I, for the cartoon. I never understood why Goldust in this is doesn't speak. Oh. Well. Eh. Um <laughs> I I imagine in cartoon WWE history there's been a lot of character inconsistencies. Um so ironically, a lot of the character uh, wrestlers who barely spoke spoke a lot in Hulk Hogan's. Yeah, anyway, true. Yeah. Uh, so this aired on the WWE Network and was produced by Stupid Buddy Studios for two seasons and a total of 10 episodes. So the one I'm going to be looking at today is second episode of season two. It begins with Triple H getting a visit from his father, cleverly named Quadruple H. Uh, he arrives in a futuristic wow. H-shaped aircraft. What? Oh, have I done a me? Yeah, this isn't the right episode. I gotcha. I watched the right episode. <laughs> um, oh, pretty good. That's, yeah. That actually was very effective because I haven't actually watched much of this show. So uh, I was on board I, with this. Actually, I did. I put I put this episode on, but I realized, like, wait, there's nothing to do with eyebrows in this thing. I did watch it, though. So <laughs> I did taint. I did taint my first experience with the correct episode, the second season, the, the second episode of the first season, not without my eyebrow. So, um, the kid wrestlers are playing kickball. Stone Cold Steve Austin is on the mound, ready to roll the ball to John Cena at the plate. And we get some internal monologues that differentiate Austin as a hateful jerk and Cena as a good-natured square. The dramatic moment is interrupted by the arrival of The Rock, his car driven right onto the baseball diamond, killing a pizza delivery man. He steals the glory by kicking the ball and rounding the bases, and he even nabs one of Big Show's hot dog pizza slices along the route. That is actually the one time in this episode that I laughed. 
which is pizza, which is when just... which is when Big Show says, "Hey, that's one of my many hot dogs." <laughs> yeah, or just the Rock's general boorishness. That was kind of funny. You ever see that hot dog pizza? It exists. Um, I don't know. I, why does that exist? A friend of ours spent a great deal of time in Japan. And right. at the time he was in Japan, I was working at Pizza Hut. And so he mailed me a selection of Japanese pizza menus. So mm. I have seen everything on pizza. Actually, oh, okay. now that I think of it, I think even Pizza Hut in Canada for a little while had a hot dog stuffed crust pizza. You can see it at, uh, well, some of the franchise. I guess I won't run through them all. There's, there's franchises that have them. Mm. I don't understand it. I don't understand things generally like where they dress up a hot dog, you know, <laughs> they go the other route where it's like it's a hot dog with foie gras. Like, <laughs> what's the point? Anyway. Um, so, yeah, The Rock. Um, that night, while The Rock is asleep, a shadowy figure approaches him with a razor. The next morning, the other kids discuss that they need to do something about The Rock. But somebody has. Just then, Vince McMahon shows up at the mess hall to address the catastrophe the Rock has had his arched eyebrows shaved off. His famous "Can you smell what the Rock is cooking?" arched eyebrow. So all the kids who are playing kickball are given detention as they're all suspects. Further, they're threatened to all be kicked out if not a one of them confesses by the end of the day. Without his cool eyebrow, the Rock has lost all his cool. He walks into things, and when he tries to repeat stealing the kickball play, he ends up wedging himself on the flagpole winch. This is a big problem since The Rock is Vince McMahon's cash cow, or at least the cool version of him is. The unbankable other kids debate amongst themselves who was the shaving culprit. Austin seems like the odds-on baddie since he always misbehaves but he runs away, forcing the kids to search the mansion for him. Uh, McMahon catches Stone Cold and decides to just expel him, but John Cena is overridden by guilt and he confesses. And there's a side plot here where the terrible camp counselor, Ric Flair, takes little child The Rock to a strip club to de-stress. And further bad counseling includes... Uh, Ric Flair instigating a fight for the boy against a burly adult and The Rock gets his ass kicked twice. <laughs> Flair's rambling story while they're uh, at the hospital about accidentally singeing off his pubic hair while ironing assures The Rock that confidence comes from inside. And when he gets back to camp, he makes good with John Cena, who was at the time ready to do the honorable thing and leave. And then to end the show, police come to the door for charity, but Vince McMahon assumes it's about the dead delivery man from the beginning of the episode, and he makes an absolutely hilarious botched attempt to run away up a slide. Um, hmm. This is indisputably comedy, but it's also indisputably not funny. Yeah. I think it could have been better if it was meaner and referenced real life uh, events and foibles so that I have more bite <laughs> as opposed to being just kind of generic family guy kind of stuff. I do like the idea of the rock being incapacitated by losing his eyebrow. Yes, that's a good idea. That's a hilarious concept. 
Um, I actually don't mind the way they've interpreted his head shape as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I said at the time that I, I had seen a couple of episodes of this, and I said at the time that I sort of felt like the writers of Camp WWE almost understood the characters of WWE better than the writers of WWE did. Like, oh, okay. At the time, John Cena, he was like their big star. He's the most popular guy. Well, okay. theoretically the most popular, but everybody booed him mercilessly. Yeah. Um, they wanted him to turn into a bad guy, but he never did. And that's kind of the his. The character yeah. in this show is just obliviously nice to everyone, no matter how much they nobody else appreciates him. The first episode of the series, um, there's this there's this great scene where um, Vince McMahon is looking out his window at John Cena. It's like, why is that Cena kid always so happy? Doesn't he realize everyone hates him? And I'm like, that's like the John Cena character in WWE. Yeah. And I don't watch it, but most of these characters, I understood the jokes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, there's only a couple that I got the Bella sisters. I don't know who they are. Yeah, they were they were Nikki and Brie Bella. They were just a couple of uh, female wrestlers. Well, they don't they don't write any of the female characters any good on the show anyway. No. As far as I can tell. Um, it's kind of like. Um, so I've watched two of these episodes <laughs> and in them, their characters like that. John Cena is, is a well-meaning square. I like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then I at first liked that uh, Triple H in the other episode that he's got a speech impediment where he goes at the end of everything. Yes, that is actually a. Um, <laughs> do they make a plot point out of that? No, but it's an episode focused on him. That's so a lot of them talking. That is something that I quite enjoyed um, when I watched the first episode, because mm. it's kind of an exaggeration of what the actual Triple H would do during wrestling promos. Oh, like <laughs> it's his uh, his habit. Listen, uh, yeah. yeah. And I like hearing some voice actor really. Like in the first episode, uh, John Cena decides to run away from the camp, ironically. And mm. um, Vince McMahon doesn't want to let anybody get away. And so he he goes to catch Cena while he leaves Triple H and Stephanie to try to keep any other kids from wanting to leave. Mm. And Triple H's way of doing this is like, you don't need to go back to your parents. They don't miss you because they're all dead. Yeah. And but then the Undertaker's like, yes, I, I kind of like the Undertaker, too, mm. except that it wears thin real fast on everything. You yeah. know, um, I liked that he got hit in the balls. He's like just laying in the field and he gets hit in the right. crotch with the ball and he does the sit up thing, which the Undertaker does in the ring. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. Like he'll be on his back and then he'll just suddenly sit stock up from the waist up like a zombie. I guess like Mike, uh -huh. Mike Myers from Halloween is the actual inspiration for that. But uh, oh. so, yeah, seeing him react that way to being hit in the nuts, uh, that made me laugh. Whoa, wait, hold on, you liar. That's two laughs. Two laughs. <laughs> OK, OK, that's true. Yeah. OK. Well, there's a third as well. Oh, yeah. Which is when um, Steve Austin is like insulting and flipping everyone off. And then he demands that Cena throw him a beer. And Cena's like, sure thing, buddy. Like, still, mm. it's just still completely obliviously positive. Yeah. I don't think I like um, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin at all. No, but. he's, this is not a good representation of him. Like, it's not a good representation of most of the characters, really. 
You know, uh, at, at the beginning, they have a warning about content. Yeah. The funny thing is, is I don't know who wants to watch this except a little kid who wants to watch something with some swears. That's the thing. Like, yeah. this was created, you know, I said, you know, I couldn't justify Laverne and Shirley, but I could probably justify everything else. Mm. This was WWE. The WWE Network launched in 2014. And yeah. so this is only two years in and it, the WWE Network had all the WWE's like all their pay-per-views, all their TV shows, everything. And I think this was part of their attempt to uh, add value by having uh, exclusive for the network content. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really go anywhere. No. Hmm. Let me ask you, <laughs> you have a choice of watching this show or Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, which one would you enjoy more? I think I'd enjoy this one a little more just because, mm. one, I I actually had fun, like, picking out the wrestlers who were making cameos. Like, in, oh, the, yeah. in the kickball field, the second time, when all yeah. the main characters are in detention and The Rock is there, and there's all the secondary wrestlers out there. And I'm looking around, I was like, oh, there's The Shield, and there's Kevin Owens, and there's Paige, and Mark Henry. Like, just, oh, man. I looked that up. What kind, of, what kind of stage name is Paige? Terrible. Well, WWE, anyway. WWE would do that with their wrestlers, particularly their women, um, yeah. where they would just give Karen. them a first, a first name. Uh, yeah. But they do it with their... Um, they're male wrestlers as well. It's actually kind of a joke that Vince McMahon hates first names because he'll okay. introduce someone's like, this is Alexander Rusev. And then a year later, now he's just Rusev. This is Antonio yeah. Cesaro. Now he's just Cesaro. They had I blame the, him. The funniest one was they had a guy named Buddy Murphy. Huh. And then they yeah. just shortened it to Murphy. Huh? This, this badass wrestler Murphy. Hmm. That's not what I want to get out of wrestling. I want some showmanship and some weirdness. Yeah, you don't. Uh, you don't really get that from WWE. Oh, yeah. Shoot, I, I missed my opportunity to burn John Cena. Yeah. About him being overly nice, including to China. Remember that? Oh, he, uh, China, he the country, Taiwan, not the wrestler. He, no, no, yeah. He called <laughs> Taiwan a country and then made an apology to the country of China. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. It was cringe, as the kids say. Yeah, and kids are the key there, because, like, I mean, WWE wants to merchandise themselves as far as possible. That's the thing. That's kind of the difference between WWE in the Hulk Hogan era and now, which is mm. it used to be they would want, oh, you got to see WWF is coming to your town. You got to see Hulk Hogan. And then later, mm. it's like, you got to see Steve Austin. You got to see The Rock. Now it's. WWE is coming to town. The stars are there. Like, no, it used <laughs> too to many be, to name. It used to be that they would have a person who is marketable as like the guy that you want to see. And now it's just mm. like they ride on the concept of WWE. And it kind of doesn't work because WWE is. I haven't watched it in a long time. And every time I do, it is unwatchably bad. <laughs> WWE now is the worst professional wrestling ever. It's 
every aspect of it, the camera work, the writing of it, the performance, it is unwatchable. <laughs> they should, uh, <laughs> they're advertising, and some stars will be there, and Subway in the food court. <laughs> should be like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it's, I, I don't know. We don't need to talk about WWE. Who cares? This this cartoon. Well, I, I got I got one other gr- gripe from the other episode, which is actually called The Ultimate Counselor. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, so Austin takes off to go find the ultimate counselor, which is actually kind of funny that his, like, facial makeup is, it's like in the sky like the bat signal. <laughs> and, uh, oh, dear. But, okay, so, like, he, uh, the ultimate warrior had actually been dead for two years when this aired. Uh, um, oh, boy. So well, it's they probably got a, better off that way. Well, the thing is, I think in a lot of friend groups, there's a person who does a passable Ultimate Warrior impression. <laughs> this was not one of them. <laughs> I could not believe. I, I know impressions are not the same as acting, but good grief. Get a, like, I think a lot of kids could do like a bone size ready, you know, and this guy was not close. That was Randy anyway. Savage. Was it? Bonesaw. Oh, it's Macho Man. Yeah. Oh, shit. What does this guy sound like? He sounds more or less the same, right? Ultimate Warrior? He's like um, breathing hard. He's not. He, he doesn't have the gravelly voice that Randy Savage had, but he would spout all kinds of nonsense. Oh, man. With I the powers that, what is of it? the warriors behind Yeah, me. okay. This okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> mm. The Ultimate Warrior is a terrible person, by the way. Um, oh, yeah? You can, you can look up some of the stuff that he has said, like some, I can't remember what website, but some website, I think it was vice actually vice. I think, um, collected a bunch of, um, quotes from the ultimate warrior from various places that those places had deleted to make him look a little better, but things like, you know, talking about how he did a speech at some conservative, like thing about how queering doesn't make the world work. And he was like disgusted by the gross butch lesbians in the front oh. row and the and the gay yeah. guys that were only getting on his back so that they could get manhandled by burly man security taking them out. Um, <laughs> he said that Martin Luther yeah. King Jr. had an easy march to Washington. It was on paved roads. Like how about uh, yeah? It's like uh, Bobby Hull. Recently was ditched as the Blackhawks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A guy who said, (laughs) paraphrased that Hitler had some good ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's a good note to go out on, right? All right. Yeah. Let's quit there. (laughs) Um, So what do we do Uh, next week? Okay. so I guess we're still talking about women's and girls is. Yeah. We did a show called Toys for Boys a while ago, which was about cartoons, merchandising toys for boys. Mm-hmm. And this isn't I don't know that this is necessarily merchandising toys for girls, but um, we're looking at girly cartoons for whatever mm-hmm. that means. You know, I've actually found it hard to, you know, I'm looking through like what makes a girl cartoon really? Because anybody can like My Little Pony. Um, more more than three girl characters. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. You're, you know what? You're probably right. More than one, maybe. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I got a dumb idea in my head, and I looked it up and found that it existed, and so I've got a half-hour thing for you. It's actually not part of a series. It's a special. I'm hip. Uh, it is called The Special Magic of Herself the Elf. Oh, Lord. Okay. Yeah. I'm giving up abusing Hannah Barbera and Ruby Spears and going back to abusing Deke. All right. Um, so we have Lady Lovely Locks, and we're going to be looking at the first episode, which has half episodes to save my kingdom and cruel pretender. All right. That sounds fun. OK, so um, girly things, kind of, I guess, next time. Make sure yeah. to tune in no matter what gender you identify as. Uh, and the meanwhile, tweet us. Give us all kinds of themes and topics. Tell me what we ought to watch. Uh, tell me what you think of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power and Kid Cosmic and all that good stuff. Uh, tell me what you thought of these episodes, even, if you track them down online. I am at AC Matsy. And I'm at DrabSwatch. And now, by Billboard survey topping the charts for 51 weeks running, it's ever popular at number one, the Celery Stalker's slogan. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just seen that amazing... The conditions that I have have already continued to worsen as I have broken loose from all the straight tickets and all the rubber rooms across these weak planets. And you, Andre the Giant, will realize that the power will become the eighth one of the world as we eat you alive. But you, ravishing recruit, as I promised, you will surrender to the gods above as I beat you! One, two, three! Let's go back to the arena! 